Introducing Kicking Back with the Cooks, presented by Woodhouse. 18 brands, 16 convenient locations, simplified car buying to save you time. Shop, finance, and buy online at woodhouse.com. Here's head coach John Cook, along with your host, Lauren Cook-West. Welcome back. And you may be wondering where my beautiful face is, but I am actually out in the woods on my nature hike, you know, cleansing out in nature, no phones, although technically I am calling in on a phone right now, but that's why I'm not on video today. Fun little spin on on this month's episode, but Coach Cook, we have you front and center. We can see your beautiful face. Welcome back to the United States. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. Before we get into Volley Talk, because I I feel like the last episode, we literally talked about everything uh, from A to Z about your Brazil trip. So before we get back into Volley Talk, I want some life updates because you have some major life updates. And the first one I want to start with is rumor has it you've purchased another horse. (laughs) Wow. When you say volley talk, you're talking about we're going to talk about volley talk on the internet, or we're talking about volleyball, <laughs> Nebraska volleyball. I, I would like to set the record straight. I have never gotten on volley talk. For anyone who doesn't oh. know, volley talk is is this. Um, it's like the TMC of the volleyball world. Like you know, TMZ <laughs> the magazine. That's what yeah. volley talk is. It's a it's an online internet gossip site about all things volleyball, and half of the stuff on there, from what I've heard, is incorrect i don't i don't know if anything has ever been correct on that website but i'm talking just volleyball talk not volley talk because i do not go on volley talk so okay. we'll set the record straight there but we we also need to set the record straight on this rumor have you purchased another horse that is correct i did purchase another horse reggie who's uh reggie. in ashland nebraska right now he's he's awesome reggie and i are buddies so uh <laughs> I did purchase another horse, and because I got, you know, the Button Reber up in Wyoming, so, uh, you know, I got to have a horse to ride in Nebraska. So uh, um, Reggie's living the life right now. Got him a nice fly mask, got him some new boots, and uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's a happy boy. He's not working as hard when I'm, especially when I'm traveling, he doesn't have to work as hard when, uh, before I bought him. And how does Bud feel about this? Have you talked to Bud? Is he okay? Do you feel a little jealous? As long as, yeah, as long as Bud's with Reba, he's fine. <laughs> now the question will be <laughs> and, when and they Reba's- all get together, we'll get together. But uh, what the the Cowboys tell me is the mayor, who's Reba, always settles it. <laughs> wow, you'll have to get that on video and post it online and let yeah, us know who yeah. ends up winning. Yeah. Reggie's coming to Wyoming uh, in, in later in mid-July. Okay, perfect. We'll get a video posted online to social media. Speaking of horses, I also heard a rumor that you were roping with some roping guru down in Kansas or Oklahoma or somewhere, somewhere south of Nebraska. That is also true. Boy, rumor mill's flying. <laughs> uh, so it's a great story. We could talk the whole podcast if you want about it I would be more than happy to but uh, so there's a guy named uh, Tyler Magnus he's a nine-time world champion Uh, he's uh, uh, so long story short I went down and spoke in the beginning of May at Merck Animal Health and on a leadership thing and then uh, with all their people that work there 
through a connection, Justin Wells, who's a former vet out in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and he now works for Merck. And anyway, he said, hey, part of this deal is uh, if you want to come down uh, and you can, uh, on Scotts City, Kansas, uh, Tyler Magnus is going to do a, a two-day clinic for the, some of the guys that work in the feedlots and so on. But then the third day, he's invited us to stay an extra day, and you're welcome to come down. So I'm like, great. And ironically, when I <clears throat> first started watching videos on roping, I'd watch some of his videos and I thought, okay, this guy's a great teacher, he's a great coach. And then all of a sudden, here I got a chance to go spend the whole day with him and rope. So I did it, and uh, the guy I bought uh, Reggie from, uh, we drove down five hours to Scott City, Kansas, in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't, I couldn't believe there's so much of Kansas with nothing. Uh, and anyway, but this cool little uh, indoor arena down there and spent the whole day uh, working with Tyler Magnus and roping steers with some other people and great day. Uh, but one of the reasons I wanted to do it was uh, I wanted to be coached by somebody and uh, he's an excellent coach and I just, the way he worked with me just continues to reinforce how I try to want to work with our players and, and what works best for them. Uh, because in roping, you can't get really mad. You you, you got to work with your horse. It's stressful. It's fast. Uh, and what was new about it, this was an indoor arena at the fairgrounds in Scott City, Kansas, and it was smaller than what I'm used to. So everything happened twice as fast. So uh, great day. And, and anyway, I got to have lunch with him and his daughter, Ruby. And Ruby's 21 years old, great basketball player, was recruited to play in college. And she, they they're, live in Texas and anyway, she's going to be a world champion roper and, and got to watch her rope. And I mean, she's in a whole nother level. Uh, so she roped with us. And so it was just a really cool day, uh, you know, and uh, they knew all about me as a coach and coaching volleyball. And, and so we had a great time. When you say world champion for roping, are they competing across the world and in, in roping competitions or is that just within the United States? I, th I think it's more just with the United States, just like kind of like if the you know Chiefs win the Super Bowl, they're world champions. I think it's, but I think because I think there's uh, athletes from other countries that come in and compete, so that's why I think they wow. call it the World Championships, and I think that's all held in Vegas at some point, and you have to qualify to get there, and then of course if you win it, it's a lot of money, endorsements, just like any any other professional athlete and um, you know I, I had lunch with her and I asked her point blank, I you know because I. You know, when I talk to recruits, same thing. I, what's, what's your goal? What's your dream? She goes, world champion. And I, she wow. made, made a believe, believer out of me. She didn't even hesitate. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll able, we're able to see that someday. Uh, as if three horses weren't enough, you've now added a, another animal to your pack, a yeah. dog. <clears throat> So yeah. I'll let you take us through that story and how that all came about. Okay, so my daughter Lauren, <laughs> who loves animals because her grandmother, my mom, rescued animals, horses, dogs, everything, worked for the Humane Society, was, was a big animal lover. So I think she passed it on to you. And well, she passed it on I to know, you, and then you passed it yeah. on to me. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I know is you're taking in a rescue dog to host from, which I think everybody should check this out, 
This is a retired former orthopedic surgeon who bought, he, he's a pilot. He has a, a custom designed 206 Cessna, which is a great plane. Uh, I've actually flown one of those and uh, he can haul up to 200 dogs now. And so he goes around uh, and you can check him out on his website. My dog is the, my dog is my co-pilot. And he goes around and rescues dogs from all over the country and takes them to towns and places where there's an interest in saving these dogs and adopting them. So you took a dog in Indy who uh, <clears throat> you were going to host. The next thing we know, Wendy's Foster. now has Indy. Yeah, Foster. And waiting for somebody. So Wendy, Wendy's ready to adopt this dog. And we're doing, I was, uh, I, yeah, we were getting ready to go to Brazil, so I was in Lincoln, and we were training. So we're doing Zooms with Indy, and I fell in love with Indy. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> two days later, Lauren decides to adopt Indy. So whoever was waiting on Indy didn't get Indy, and, and you took Indy, and, and Indy's a great dog. Well, ironically, again, how the universe works, and I think my mom's coordinating all this, uh, is you get a call for, to host another dog who's named Daisy. And Daisy was taken in, on the, came in on the same flight into Driggs, Idaho, right, Lorna? They fly into Driggs, I think. And, yep, yep. Uh, so he, they came from Texas and he flew into uh, Driggs, Idaho, and then they go to a shelter in Jackson, uh, Jackson, Wyoming, Jackson Hole area. Yeah, so, uh, so he brought 17 dogs on that and everybody got placed. Well, Daisy got placed with an older couple, uh, and um, anyway, I guess she got hurt her knee somehow uh, after about a week and had to get surgery, so she's like, I can't handle Daisy and do all this, and so you kind of took, or you and Wendy kind of took uh, Daisy back in, so we were hosting, I think Daisy ended up at our house, and we were hosting Daisy, and again, I think we're, I was in Brazil at the time, and all this is going on. And uh, anyway, Wendy fell in love with Daisy. So now we have Daisy, who um, is a great dog, and, and she's, uh, you know, but just like you and I have talked about, you wonder what these dogs have been through, and they're just become so loyal and so attached because somebody's giving them love and food and you know as you know you saw both those dogs and ribs are showing but they're just unbelievable dogs and how how fast they just connect and bond and um so we've had last few days we've had a great time with daisy taking her on hikes and um so it's it's been really cool i i always say we don't deserve dogs because these poor dogs have who knows? I mean, I don't even want to know their story and, and where they came from, but they were both on the list to be euthanized. And that's one of the reasons why they were picked up um, from Dog is My Co-Pilot is he finds, you know, he goes to these kill shelters that are overcrowded and tries to find dogs that are about to be euthanized to save them. And um, anyways, I, I also, you, you left out two key parts of that story. First one is okay. this flight came in on your mom's birthday, on Grandma Cook's birthday, May 20th. So you were talking about how the universe works and how she was coordinating all of this. Uh, that was a that was a crazy sign right there. Is on her birthday this flight landed uh, with with Indy and Daisy. And then the other thing you left out is uh, and this you have Daisy, I have Indy, and, and this relates more to Indy. But 
when you originally, when, when you and mom were talking about taking an indie, you were telling me, you remembered uh, when you were growing up, you had a dog named Chester that looked identical to Indy. So again, just another way that the universe is working and, uh, you know, a higher power is putting this all together, but sending a dog that looks exactly like a dog that you grew up with uh, when you were living at home with your mom. Yep. And uh, when, when I first got the pictures, you know, I sent them to my brother and I just said, Dave, who, who's this, this, look at this dog, who does it remind you of? And he goes, Chester, right away. And that's a, that's a dog we had growing up. So uh, anyway, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a dog's world. We're just living in it. And, uh, <laughs> but these dogs are precious and it's just, like I said, it's amazing that when you see the look in their eye and they, they, the connection they make, it's the same with horses. When, once you make a connection with a horse, it's, it's a whole feeling comes over you. And, um, and that's one of the things with Reggie. Reggie and I, so Reggie's owners, he said he, he, had, he has two quirks. One is he, he hates to be caught, so you've got to chase him around to catch him. Okay? And, and then the other one is when you get in the box to get ready to chase a steer, he turns his head sideways. So he's, it's like he's looking the other direction like, I don't want to do this. So I got that fixed. And then the catching part, I just said, hey, let me work on it. So um, first day, a little bit. He kind of had to work, got him. Now he walks up to me when I come in the corral to catch him. So wow. it's just with treats, with love, connection, the trust. Once they build that relationship and trust, seriously, he, he walks up to me now when I come in, in there. And so, again, wow. once you develop this bond and trust uh, with these animals, it's, uh, you know, you feel it. And, again, I, I equate all this to coaching because I'm trying to do the same thing with our players. And I think great teams and great coaches, you, you have this, we call it ultimate trust. That everybody is just connected and working together, and, and it's a very powerful thing. The, is Daisy there? Can you bring her on camera? Will she hop up on your lap? Uh, I, I may have to yell. I think Wendy's keeping her secluded so she doesn't disrupt the uh, podcast. <laughs> so my guess is she's probably Maybe taking a nap right now. Okay. I well, maybe yell. if she wanders yell. Yeah, yeah, let's yell. Let's get Daisy on here. Yeah. Wendy, can we get Daisy? <laughs> so we'll see. They might be napping. Uh, yeah. So it's Daisy's well, while nap we're time. waiting on, while we're waiting on uh, the the star appearance from Daisy, you're you have some downtime right now, just a little bit. Uh, you got back yeah. from Brazil before camp starts. So what are you up to? Fill us in. What's been going on? Um, well, this is a, so we got back the night of, um, oh, here comes Daisy. Here it comes. Come oh. here, Daisy. Come here. Come here, Daisy. Come here. This is one good, ha bad habit that we let her go. Come here. Oh, come up and see me. <laughs> come up and see me. Come on. Oh, she's sleepy. Wait a second. Come on. Come on. Oh, come up here. Come up here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come up here. Come here, what? come here, Daisy, come on. She likes to come up here and help me work. There's Daisy, oh, <laughs> Daisy girl, yeah. Daisy, who's over here? Who's over here? There he goes. Daisy. Is that good enough for Daisy? Yep, say She's hello pretty, to Husker Nation. We have, we have no idea what, what the mix is, 
But look at this. She's just an awesome dog and took her on a huge hike yesterday. And uh, anyway, uh, we know, we're pretty sure she has what's called Catahoula in her, which is a new breed I had to learn about. It's a great breed. It's a hunting, uh, herding breed. But the way you can tell is um, she had, her feet have a little more webbing in them because they're from the bayou in Louisiana. And so they're used to, and she goes nuts when we get around water, sitting water with willows and stuff in it. She just wants to jump in there and go and hunt. So uh, that's one of the reasons we know she's got a little catahoula in her. In her. So Lauren, we uh, return on June 14th in the evening from Brazil. And starting that night at 12.01, we could start calling recruits the class of 2025. And so we've been full, full nonstop Zoom calls, talking to recruits, uh, visiting some gyms and practices. So it's, it's been pretty hectic. And right now the uh, AAUs are going on. Jalen's been down in Orlando. Kelly goes down there, I think, uh, the next day or two. And then the Junior Olympics will be in Chicago here starting in a, next week. And we'll all be going there to recruit. And uh, so anyway, uh, if you follow the news, you can sense that there's been a lot of interest in Nebraska volleyball from recruits. And so it's been fun getting to know these kids because we've been recruiting them for a couple of years, watching them, but we've never been able to talk to them. So it's been, I really enjoy this because we're, we're meeting these, guys, these new recruits. We're meeting their families and learning about them. And of course, we've been watching them for two to three years. So uh, it, it's a wild time. Otherwise, it is an off time for us. We don't have camps in June this year because of Brazil. So it's going to be recruit, recruit. We get back, start Dream Team Camp on uh, July 8th, I think. And, uh, and then it's, I think, I don't know, 20 straight days of camp or something, and then another little break, and then we start two days. So this summer is going to fly by really fast. It's wild to me how much recruiting has changed. I was thinking mm. about this the other day, just since you know I was going through the recruiting process and how mm. different it is now. And uh, do you feel like it's, it's you're having an easier time recruiting with how much has changed or do you feel like it's more difficult uh it's a good question it's it's different it's not more difficult uh the the way the ncaa has set up the dates though it makes no sense so you can call them on june 15th you can't have in-person visits or anything they can't visit till august 1st so you got all this going on, and so what happens is they can't visit school or we can't visit them in person till August 1st. So what happens is you've got everybody talks, and so they talk to all their schools and, and, and coaches and everything, and then what happens is some people start making commitments. So it creates this panic, but they can't visit because a lot of them want to take visits, but they feel pressured if I, they wait they're going to lose out. So if, if maybe they figure, that, you know, if I wait and take a visit to Nebraska, I may not have that opportunity in August or September or October. And that's what happens. So the way they've structured it doesn't really make a lot of sense or promote it, make it easier for the recruits. Uh, I think, so I don't know if it's any harder, but uh, it's, it makes more sense. And now we can also pay for Every, their family to come in on official visits that was passed this year. So, you know, that, that's kind of a no-brainer why that hasn't happened. Uh, but nobody can really visit till August 1st. But 
kids are making decisions every day and it just creates this panic button uh, amongst all the recruits. And then the coaches start doing this. They'll say, okay, I just lost that recruit, so I'm going to deadline this recruit and say, hey, you have till 5 o'clock tonight to make a decision. Take it or leave it. Okay, this is a 15-year-old girl making a huge decision and, and still two years away from even getting to college, and they have to deal with that pressure. So, but coaches are trying to protect their programs, and so it's a... I don't know, it's kind of, uh, it can get pretty ugly fast with some of these recruits. And then you got some recruits saying, hey, you know what? I'm taking five visits. I'm taking my time. So you want to hang in there, great. If not, see ya. So there's some, some families and, and recruits that will do that as well. So then you got to decide, do you want to wait? But you might lose out on everybody else. So it's, it's like playing poker in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's also the ripple effect when you know when one player commits, yeah. then it seems like a handful more. But it, it's it's almost like they need to reverse it and allow them to make their visits first. So maybe you do visits in June, and then starting in August, that's when coaches can actually go in and say, "Hey, we want to offer you a spot." And they've already had their visit; they've already had time to you know discuss with their family and think about what they want to do, and then they get those offers from those from those coaches. I don't know. That, that may be a worse idea, but to me in my head, that just, that almost makes more sense because then you're allowing those, those families and those kids to really get to know the school and, and fall in love with it and then make a decision from there. Uh, Lauren, I can agree with you more. The, the, like I said, the timing, you know, football's changes. So they, they can make vi official visits and they can talk to them earlier. Basketball has different rules, but for volleyball and, and, and really women's soccer, these rules make no sense because we're the first ones to play, you know, starting in the fall. And, and anyway, it's, you know, this June 15th, right in the middle of AUs and Junior Olympics. So all these kids are also traveling around playing in the championships. And so I don't know, it's, uh, it seems like there could be a better way to do this. Another big change in the volleyball world is adding this third assistant position to, so I correct me if I'm wrong but you they took away the volunteer position they added the third assistant and you took full advantage of that and hired uh, Jordan Larson who is a very impressive hire so explain her setup and, and the process and what all happened to get her in that position yeah, so we were always a lot of volunteers. So like last year, we didn't even have a volunteer because it's hard. How do you find somebody that's good, that can coach, and is going to do it for free? So you typically volunteers are a young coach trying to get in. But, you know, we have – we do, our program for that is our grad assistants. They, they get to be around our program and help, but they're also getting their master's degree. So um, – that's kind of the way it's worked. So there's several times we've never even had a volunteer because it's hard to find people. Well, the NCAA uh, decided, hey, if you want to, this is up to each school, you can pay that volunteer now. So then it becomes an extra coaching position. And that's across all Olympic sports. Now, each school and each sport have to decide, are you going to make that fin financial commitment to pay that volunteer coach, or you can just keep them as a volunteer? Well. At Nebraska, we, we were fortunate enough to be allowed to pay that position, so it adds another paid 
coach. They're, they can do everything. They can recruit, coach, do everything. And then I've been talking to Jordan for years about coming back to Nebraska and coach. And anyway, last fall when she came in to train with us uh, and uh, I could tell how happy she was here. She, she uh, you know, kind of wants to settle in Nebraska. So I said, hey, this might be coming down the pipe. Think about it. And then I think it was approved or, or almost finally approved in January. And so we continued to talk and she's now an assistant coach. Now, she's not full time right now. Uh, so she, because she's still continuing to play and her goal is to go through Paris. So she's basically on, a, on a, and once all that's over, she'll be a full time coach here. And she's, um, you know, basically a year out from Paris right now. And, uh, but she'll be with us most of the fall. And the spring is yet to be determined what her schedule will be and if she'll play overseas or not or play in the United States. But um, we don't need her for coach, coach, coaching beach because you can only have two coaches in beach. So uh, I don't know if that's, yeah, we haven't got that far. So maybe I'll be the volunteer paid for beach. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's kind of how that works. And um, we're really lucky to have the Gov back in and she's been great and even when she's away Lauren uh, so she came and trained with us to prepare for Brazil she couldn't go to Brazil with us um, but she's working with our players she zooms with them she watches video on zoom with them and you know you've seen volumetrics I mean she can watch any practice any match she watched our Brazil matches so she can watch all those and, and work with uh, mainly our outside hitters so it's uh, she's into it which is really cool that is really cool. You you made quite the uh, commotion when you hired her. I think the volleyball world across the United States was just really happy for you and for her, and uh, everyone commented on how great of a hire that is. So congratulations. Uh, Brazil trip, we need to touch on this. Just a quick recap, maybe give us the highs and lows, or if there were only highs, but just how it went and uh, your overall take on that trip. Well, this is our sixth, the sixth international trip I've taken the Nebraska volleyball team on. I took, I did one in 1996 at Wisconsin. We went to Russia. So uh, all the other trips before Brazil, we went to China and Japan. And so this is the first trip to Brazil. And I would have to say uh, it, it, it was probably the best trip international trip that we've done and here are the reasons why first of all we took two incredible guides with us both are doctorates dr dr leo uh did his guys phd at nebraska in our sports science napl uh, lab so that's where i met him and then dr damata who's an adjunct professor from brazil at colorado state right now and these two guys were incredible uh, how they threw us into the Brazilian culture, took us places and got us just, it was, it was just an amazing experience. And the Brazil people, they love three things. So it's pretty, pretty easy. They love food, they love uh, music and dance, and they love sports. So it's a great connection and we did a lot of that on the trip. Uh, and the, as the, I heard from our players, their verticals were down when they got back because the food was really good. 
so, so uh, but, and then we got to go to some incredible places volleyball wise. And then one of the reasons I've never gone to Brazil is typically their downtime is in the summer, which is their winter. And the, the players are kind of off. And then there really wasn't a lot of tourist type things to do. You know, you go to Japan and China, I mean, there's world-class great city, forbid, Forbidden City, the Great Wall of China, and some other terracotta soldiers. There's just incredible things to do, the bullet train. And I never thought Brazil had it, but we went to two unbelievable world-class uh, one, and you saw the if people followed, they saw the pictures. Christ the Redeemer was incredible, and then the uh, Sugarloaf Mountain, uh, which is you, you take these trams and go up, and it was, it was unbelievable. And so anyway, the, that was a highlight tourist-wise. And then the, um, the, at the end of the trip, we kind of took a day and a half and went to this fishing village called Buzios. And it's, it was beautiful. We had this, I don't know, 50-year-old hotel that you felt like you were in Greece in a movie. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And, and that's where we kind of had our captain's meetings and debriefed the trip and just talked about how where we're going from here so that was beautiful and then we got to go to the uh, their olympic training center which is just for volleyball in sakurama sakurama happens to be on about a 10 mile beach it's also beautiful and they built this great training facility so we went there and played trained lifted ate our ate some meals there and then went to the beach so it's they figured it out brazilians are smart Let's build a training center on the beach, and then everybody's going to want to come there and train <laughs> within Brazil. For their, their U19 team was there. Their U21 team was there. Of course, their national teams are playing in the VNL right now, so they're traveling all over the world playing along with our USA team. Uh, and then Rio's Rio. You know, that's, it's a huge tourist city, huge beach, incredible, busy. You've got to be careful. Uh, big, big city. So a lot of traffic. And then we started in Belo Horizonte, which means beautiful horizon. It's a mining, mining, it started as a mining town. Now it's a bigger city. And uh, that's where we started and really just loved the whole vibe of that city. And um, so I could go on and on and on, but the food was incredible. The people were great. And I've had to say the highlight for most, of the, I asked most of the players what their highlight was. And it's hard for Americans to understand this, but what Brazil has done is they build these clubs. So let's just say an Omaha would build this huge sports club and they would have a professional team, but, and, the, and then they'd have 20,000 members in this club and this club would be a city block. This, like this, uh, um, think of a whole city block and maybe five stories with gyms, weight rooms, swimming pools, uh, every sport you can think of you can do there. So you can drop your kids off there. They have restaurants. And so that's what they built in Brazil. Well, in Belo Horizonte, we went to what's called Club Olimpico. And Club Olimpico is the same type of club, but it was built for the kids that live in the, and the families that live in the Flavios, which are the basically the slums. And a really smart leader in Brazil built this so these kids would come to the club as opposed to, you know, keep, try to keep them safe and out of trouble. So it's a different, a little bit different clientele there that are in this club. It's a little different vibe, 
and our players loved it. And they were playing with the kids and the families, playing all these sports, and they were teaching us. They, we were grilling out there, uh, hung out at the swimming pool, and that was really touched a lot of our hearts, just seeing. Um, and we're, we're, in a couple weeks here in July, you're going to see a video of what we did for those kids uh, with help of Adidas, and it is heartwarming. Uh, and really cool, and just to see their appreciation. Um, and they, of course, they love the Americans and they love Nebraska. And we're going to actually, we have an Olympico jersey because they do have a professional team there, um, it, but it's not at the level of some of the other professional teams just because where it is and the financial, you know, they, they're not making a lot of money there because it's the, the clientele that comes there, you know, can't afford it. Wow. It's a really cool story. And on the way home from Brazil, you named captains and you did it in a really cool way. And I'm sure everyone's heard about it or read about it. And you had the pilots of the plane come back and talk to Lexi and Merritt and, and tell them that, you know, they're, they're going to be the captains for this upcoming season. But I want to know how you decided on captains. Was it a team boat? Was it a staff boat? Uh, did you even vote? How did you come to the conclusion that Lexi and Merritt were going to captain your team for this next season? A really good question and it's something we always struggle with, how to do it. So what we did this year, since we have six new players out of 14, where we have no seniors, so we thought, okay, we got to figure something out here. So we started leadership classes and uh, throughout the whole semester. And... Uh, and everybody, anybody who wanted to go to those classes could. So everybody showed up. And then everybody one night got up and talked about why they would want to be a captain in Nebraska volleyball. So we're trying to make this really special and important. And uh, so we continued to talk about it. And then we went to Brazil. So in Buzios, this little fishing village where you could film a movie there, you could uh, do take your honeymoon there. You, uh, it's just this incredible little area that's just, I don't know, it's like, a, like it's, it's, you feel like you're in a movie. And um, <clears throat> so sitting overlooking the Atlantic Ocean with these ships out there, boats and stuff, we'd met, met uh, as a team every, uh, for a couple nights. And so on the last night, we said, okay, there's six people that we feel like and have expressed a lot of interest and really want to be captains. And so now is your time to get up and talk in front of everybody. And it wasn't just our team. This was, Lindsay was there. Uh, Gina Johnson, who's from our compliance, went with us. Uh, the Brazil guys. And so, and, and again, this was out on this overlooking the ocean and this beautiful little, I don't know, place where you sit out there under umbrellas, but you're, you're up, kind of up high above the ocean. And... So they all got up and did an incredible job. And then we had the next day, as we didn't, we had a night flight out. So uh, we next day we met with each player and asked them, okay, who who do you think, who do you want your captains to be? And then the ones that actually got up and spoke, we asked them, okay, we assume you would vote for yourself. So who do you want with you? And and so anyway, it was it became very clear cut, even though. It was there was a lot of love spread on that, uh, and a lot of respect for these for these girls getting up there and talking. But Merritt and Lexi kind of 
was a pretty unanimous feel for that they were the, going to be the leaders on this team. And, and so anyway, we didn't tell them. We, go, we have a four-hour bus ride to get to Rio to get on the plane. It's, again, you fly overnight. So you leave at 9 o'clock at night, and you get into Houston at 6 in the morning. So I asked when we got on the plane, I asked the, I was in seat 1F, which is the very first seat in the plane. It's called Polaris. And you actually have a bed you can sleep in because I can't handle overnight flights. And so anyway, I asked the, the guy in charge of the purser, they call him. And I said, hey, we, we got the Nebraska volleyball team and we got two captains. Do you mind announcing it? And he said, okay, we'll see. So we could take off and we get going. And I'm thinking, okay, he's not going to say anything. You know, usually you do it at the beginning, you know, before you take off. So I thought, okay, that, that didn't work. So we're about an hour, half into the flight, and the captain comes back to my seat and says, hey, I hear you got a couple captains on here. He goes, I'd like to tell them personally. I go, are you serious? I mean, you just, you don't have to do that. And he goes, no, captain to captain, I want to talk to him. So... I, I gave him the names, and he has his iPad, and he looks on the iPad for Merritt and Lex. He goes, oh, okay, 37A, 37B. They're sitting next to each other. I'm going back. So I, they didn't have any idea. So here comes the captain back, and they think they're in trouble or something's going on. And he sits down and has to talk to them about being captains and how important it is. And, and, and you, I, they talked about it several times now, so it was a really cool deal, and that's how they found out. Wow. See, I thought you had thought of that all on your own, but really we need to give credit to the, the flight attendant. Yep. Yeah, because he, he <laughs> talked to the captain, and I think the captain said, we're not going to announce it because I'm telling him. And, wow. and these guys, you know, um, if you followed my Instagram or my Twitter on the flight down there, this is another crazy story. On the flight down there, I walk in. Again, I had 1A on that flight. And this, again, it's a 9 o'clock flight out of Chicago to, to Sao Paulo. And I walk in, and the, and the captain's sitting up there, and he goes, Hey, it's Coach Cook. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. And there's two other guys, you know, it's a three-person Dreamliner, beautiful, awesome plane. And he goes, Hey, come on in here. So I go, okay, well, how, how do you know me? He goes, you're the Nebraska volleyball coach. So I just figured, okay, he knows we're on the plane or whatever. And he goes, hey, he goes, you're a legend, man. He goes, I've, I've seen you recruiting all the time. I go, oh, you got daughters that play? He goes, yeah, I got daughters that play. I got a daughter, daughter that's coaching in college now. So he goes, sit down. He puts me in the pilot seat. And so we start talking. He's got his other guys up there. Anyway, he's a volleyball dad. So he's seen me in several tournaments, and you know his his daughters. We didn't recruit, but they played at. Uh, uh, I think one's playing at Miami of Ohio or somewhere, or um, and the other one is coaching at South Alabama and played at South Alabama. And so anyway, we just hit it off. So I I go, is it okay if I take pictures in here? And he goes, oh yeah. So he's like, and, I, and then I took pictures with all the pilots. And so anyway, that was because everybody's texting me, like, how the heck are you sitting in the Dreamliner? <laughs> pilot seat. <laughs> so I, it just, I thought that happened. I thought that was like a, a special treat because you hit a million mile. No, no, that's also happened on that flight. I, I hit a million <laughs> miles on United. So they did a big announcement. They gave me a gift bag, and and made a really big deal about it. Um, though the pilots really they didn't know. They didn't know that. Um, that's more the the purser and the and the stewardesses are 
you know, the flight attendants that are there. So they made a really big deal. And in fact, they made a big deal when I checked in Omaha Airport. I had to take pictures of all the people that worked there because they knew I was going to hit a million miles on the flight to, to Sao Paulo. So This is turning into a uh, Joe Rogan <laughs> three-hour-long podcast because we have so many stories. <laughs> I know. Well, it's well, uh, yeah, great stories, though. I, you you have told a lot of stories, and we're, it's now time for less, lesson and confession, and I'll let you skip the <laughs> confession because how, of how many stories you've told today. But do you have any lessons? Um, I think uh, that's that's a great question. You know, what was what what I learned on this Brazil trip is. I don't care where you go in the world, there, there is a human connection if you, if you find it. And just connecting with the Brazil people, uh, and if you open yourself up to it, it's almost, you feel like you be, we, I feel like I'm part Brazilian now. And I would go back there in a second and, and just continue to experience Brazil culture. But I think the lesson for our players was they learn about a new culture. It's really cool. There's really cool people out there. Even though we're told how unsafe it was and we couldn't go out, we couldn't let them go on their own, uh, our security was pretty tight. And ironically, Rice Volleyball ended up, we ended up staying the same, in, in Rio, we stayed at the same hotel as, uh, as a Marriott. They were there and they came in. For, we were overlapped for one day is what I'm trying to say. And their coach was out on her own. And sure enough, this guy jumped her and ripped a necklace off of her. So we, uh, and I'm sure that shook her up. Um, so, but there's just this human connection that people have and want, and they want to share it with you. And um, I could tell you so many stories about that would complement that, but. Um, I think the biggest lesson is, is that I'm trying to be a great roper, and there's good video on me. I'm roping at dinner in a mall while the girls are eating. I'm over there practicing with the, the, the bands we use to stretch out <laughs> on and roping. So there's the lesson. Never stop roping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my lesson is adopt, don't shop. So if, if you're looking at That's getting awesome. a dog, adopt it. Do not go to a breeder. It, a rescue dog, I, I can't even put it into words, but they will change your life. Lauren, and I, I would have, for my entire life, I would have disagreed with that until Daisy and Indy showed up. They're incredible. And I, I, yeah. I and again, I, I wish I, you and I have talked about this. I wish we could just be in their heads, like what the hell's gone on? And I, I noticed with Daisy, for example, put on a cowboy hat and it freaked her out. So then you start wondering like, okay, what the hell in, in her life is causing her to freak out over a cowboy hat? So we, I put it by her yeah. bed and everything, so now she's used to it. But anyway, it's just, uh, yeah, I, that's a great call by you. Wait a second, did you set the hat on a bed? Because that's By her luck. bed that she lays, no, I set it on the chair next to it. Yeah, it's not oh, bad luck. okay. I, I thought we were gonna. No, you have to burn. I think you have to burn the hat if you've set it on the bed. No, I set it on the chair next to her little bed she okay. lays on. Just so, and that's what okay. the we talked. We we googled it, how what to do. You know, not 
the things that scare them. And that was one of the things. You just set it there, put, give them treats, and put the hat there. And so, no, it was on the chair. We're good. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Shelters right now are overcrowded, so if you're looking at getting a dog, go to your, your local shelter and even even if you can just foster for a few days, foster, adopt, do whatever you can, and just think if people adopted and didn't shop, then we, you know, breeders wouldn't continue to breed, and then we wouldn't have this overpopulation of dogs. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sad, and uh, and but people should check out uh, my co-pilot. My dog is my co-pilot. I mean, this, think of what this guy's doing. I mean, he, I've been following him. I mean, he flies all over the country in a Cessna 206. That's a single prop engine plane. And he's, think of the love in his heart for dogs and what he's doing. Maybe that's what you should do when you retire is join him and fly around and save dogs. That'd be awesome. We should get him on the next podcast, Lauren. See if you can do that. There we go. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how he relates to volleyball, but <laughs> we'll, uh, maybe we'll look into that. Anyways, thank you to all of our listeners for your continued support. Uh, a big thank you to Cole Hartman for producing this one, your first time producing Kicking Back with the Cooks. So thank you, Cole, for making this go seamless. And uh, Coach Cook, as always, thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to get back out in nature. You should, too turning off my phone and I'll be uh, hiking up a mountain. So we will see you all again next month. And as always, go big red.